You're listening to Nick Luck Daily. This edition is brought to you by Fitzdares, by the Racehorse Owners Association, and by Thoroughbred Racing Commentaries Global Rankings. Good morning, welcome to the show. Thanks for listening. It's Wednesday, the 29th of December. It is a pretty dreary morning here in TW11. The rain has abated somewhat. I will be off down the M4 to Newbury today for Grade 1 Challow Hurdle Day. Yes, the top class action in England and Ireland just continues through this festive period. Gives us so much to talk about each and every day. But my word, what drama yesterday in the Savills chase, the big senior open steeplechase in Ireland over the Christmas period, featured the Gold Cup favourite Aplutar, who was just, just nabbed on the line by Galvin for Gordon Elliott and Davy Russell in the colours of Ronnie Bartlett. Cornelius Lysett is with me this morning. Um, Cornelius, that was a, a spellbinding race, but so many layers of significance to it, surely. Yeah, the, the, the basic result is that Galvin won by uh, a short head, but it, it might have been further. But for the horse finding himself in a in a bit of a pocket created by Rachel Blackmore on our Plutar, as Davy Russell was just seeking to challenge after the second last. But Davy Russell is very much part of uh, of yesterday's story, giving another majestic performance in the saddle. How how we missed him during that eleven months that he was out prior to September, and uh, amid swirling rumours of possible retirement, well, those were well uh, forgotten. Uh, Davy Russell wasn't giving up, nor was Galvin. Galvin, which had been second behind Frodon in front of Minella Endo at. Uh, Dan Royal in Northern Ireland in November. What a willing partner he was on the long examining Leopardstown uh, run-in. Uh, a really doughty stayer, a really doughty performance. Won the National Hunt chase over pretty much three and three-quarter miles at Cheltenham. This uh, three miles. And no surprises to hear afterwards uh, that the Gold Cup, rather than the Grand National at Aintree, is principal target. Uh, for this seven-year-old. That was the word from Gordon Elliott. He had been talking Grand Nationals, but now clearly very much talking Cheltenham Gold Cups with a horse owned, as you say, by the Scottish-based owner, Ronnie Bartlett, uh, which had been bought or certainly achieved anyway in the early days of his racing career. A bit of fun for uh, for Ronnie Bartlett and friends in Scotland. Won a race at Perth, won a race at Air uh, as well. So, yeah, a really taking performance from Galvin, what about the 2020 winner, uh, Aplutar? Well, that one just didn't stay as well. Beat Kemboy, though, by a few inches further than 12 months ago. But So this, a story of, uh, of Galvin, uh, of uh, the Cheltenham Gold Cup, the road towards the Cheltenham Gold Cup, and of Davy Russell as well, uh, winning this for the Gordon Elliott team. A really memorable part of uh, the Christmas jigsaw. Yeah, Russell is back, one of the great riding comebacks of all time. Elliot is also back after his six-month ban. This was a day they both enjoyed very much. The winning rider very shortly, but first of all, uh, Gordon Elliott's reflections on Galvin's performance in the Savills chase. Uh, to be honest, he's a horse that doesn't do anything too flashy at home. He just does his work and, you know, he's just a nice, uh, nice like, kind horse. He, he just does his work and wants to tease you every day. But Ronnie's a great man to train for and he likes just taking it steady, steady in there. Uh, that was a big th- a big thread running through yesterday just watching on from afar was how pleased you were for Ronnie Bartlett who's been with you a long time J- just just explain why 
I look Ronnie is just one of them gentlemen in racing, you know, he's a great fella, he's a good friend and you know, I think anyone that's just a bad word about Ronnie, um uh, you know, there's something wrong with him. He's a good man and he's a great supporter of racing. And Gordon, just uh, you know, going back to sort of Cheltenham and almost two years ago when the horse won at the at the showcase meeting there, and you said we're going to lay him away until the festival, and you had that plan. And, and yesterday you said we'll we'll keep him back now until the Gold Cup. Is there a specific reason why you would do that with this horse in particular? He runs well fresh. He's not the biggest, robust horse in the world, and you know you can't keep going back to the well with him. And you know I'm saying it for the Gold Cup now and. I think the three mile two will suit him and really looking forward to it. Um, is there any more we can say about Davy Russell that we haven't we haven't already said? I look I don't think we can say anything about Davy. He's he's a, he, he's world class. Um, I don't think he's any jockey in England or Ireland riding better than him at the moment. Um you know, he, he I'm very lucky to have him. Um we'll keep him for ourselves at the moment, not letting him ride for too many other people, but uh, Look, he's at a stage in his life that uh, he's really enjoying it. He's got a good family behind him, and, and we're very lucky now. Uh, are you are you minding him like you might mind a very good, slightly older horse? A little bit like that. I think, yeah, we're we're uh, we're kind of making a wee little bit more selective now. Um, the more than he was, he's not getting any younger, and he doesn't fall like he used to. But uh, we're just going to look after him and keep him the big days. Did you, in your heart of hearts, believe in the? In the spring, that he would come back to riding in races. But Dave, knowing Davy, um, he, he 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 he's stubborn enough character. Uh, you couldn't do anything out with him. But uh, he said he was going back, and he did, and it's great he did. Uh, it's been a very productive period over Christmas for you, as it needs to be if you're seeking to dominate or seeking to be a, a major part of of racing in in Ireland, as you are. I mean, the victory of Mighty Potter under Jack Kennedy was significant as well for. For, for Jack's comeback, another huge talent. Yeah, Jack is brilliant. Like he's only 21 or 2 years of age and well, he's done his career so far. To have Davy at probably the end of his career and Jack at the start, we're very, very lucky. Um, two world-class jockeys. But, uh, you yeah, know, it was a big week. Um, you know, it's, it's important to try and get as many winners at these meetings as you can and the horses are doing well. Look, we've had a great comeback and I'm absolutely thrilled. Um, you know, it's a testament to having all the owners. It's brilliant. Uh, is Mighty Potter the, the sort of horse that you think is good enough to, to take high order in, in a Cheltenham novice hurdle? Yeah, he's a nice horse. He's a big baby. He's not even going to be a horse next year. Uh, if you look at him, he's very tall and lean. Um, he's probably a horse to go straight to Cheltenham as well. Um, you know, we have to think in the future of these horses. And you had a big hand in the juvenile hurdle with the first and third there. Uh, Fieldor looks very good. He looks just about the best juvenile we've seen either side of the Irish Sea uh, so far, is it? Would that? Would you agree with that? He's another horse, a bit like Calvin. He doesn't do anything fancy at home. He does all his, his work on the track. But he's very straightforward. He jumps very well. He's a great attitude. He's very relaxed, and um, you know he ticks a lot of the boxes for us. Trying for I think uh, you know the prelims not not in the phase, and then, uh, you know it'd be great for Andrew and Gemma Brown and Carlo Construction if uh, if they if they could uh, get the gentleman in one piece and go close and try for it. And I, I mean, I don't want to. I don't want to end on a on a on a low note because Galvin was so good yesterday. But um, the other two that you ran in the in the in the big race, the Savills Chase, have they got you scratching your head a little bit? Delta Work and Sam Crow. Sam Crow has look. He's been he 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 hasn't been great probably for the last year and a half. Um, he was a very good horse in the, in his earlier days. But um, we might just try a few different things and then see if we can sweeten them up. We've tried a lot of things. And, 
you know, on his day he's good, but he's got plenty, plenty of um, plenty of issues. Um, I doubt to work. Yeah, probably scratching my head at him a little bit. Jack said um, he was never happy uh, in the race, so um, we'd have to go back to the drawing board with him. Well, that was that was trainer Gordon Elliott, um, and he he said Davy Russell that he knew, given how how stubborn you are, that you probably would come back, even if <laughs> even if the rest of us thought you might not. Yesterday must have been very very special for you. Uh, it was it was probably one of the most enjoyable days I've ever had in the saddle, Nick. Um, you know, it was just it was just everything worked out really really well. The horse was in super form going there, and you know. Without you know shouting about it, we we thought he he had had a great chance, and then for it all to work out, and Ronnie was there, and you know we put pressure on Ronnie to make sure he comes over to watch him because we felt he was um he really was on song. He's just he's just getting he's getting more mature and 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 he's enjoying like before he used to be a little bit buzzy, and we were always trying to settle him down a little bit and kind of undercook him, but now he's just more sensible and Carly who looks after him is. You know, she knows him best and, you know, she could tell you even how good a form he would be in, you know. Uh, Gordon's just told me that he's minding you and I asked him whether he was minding you like a like a very talented, slightly more senior racehorse and he kind of a, he kind of agreed. What, what do you say to that? Um, well, I, I, I don't mind. I'm just happy doing whatever Gordon feels is best for everybody. You know, there's some very talented riders in the yard and he's trying to mould them in to to what you know into the next someone to take over the mantle you know Jack is obviously well able to do that but Jordan is there and then you know Dennis goes to goes to um, Newbury today um, who's you know a very good rider in, in his own right you know so you know we all have our part to play so and Gordon is the is the man that that directs all of that you know and he he. He knows who'll suit which horse and different owners and things like that. So you know, it's just very pleasing. I'm I'm happy for Jack. I'm not so happy when he beats me, but but uh, still happy for Jack. And Jordan has done a great job down in Limerick, and hopefully Dennis can go and ride a winner in Newbury today. It was a properly absorbing race to watch yesterday, and you know where Aplutar came and did it did did. Um... Uh, Kenboy on the line last year. You've come and done Aplutar on the on the line this time. Is Leopardstown that sort of place where you want you want to leave your challenge as late as you feasibly can? Yeah, well, I had to change tact uh, completely down the start. I didn't um, intend on sitting second, but it just um, it just when we were starting to line up, it just it, it, that was the position that uh, seemed to be the best for me. Uh, I had anticipated it may happen because Paul seemed to be the only pace angle in the race. And then, you know, I, I, I didn't expect Rachel to sit second and I actually thought Mellon might actually take the, take that position, but um, it was left there for me. So and I was very comfortable to take it once I didn't have to get hassled for it. And uh, in an ideal world, I didn't want to be, you know, taking it up. And in hindsight, you know, getting outpaced, off the bend suited me because um, it just gave me something to aim at up the straight. It can be quite a long, lonely straight in, in Leopardstown and it just the race just fell for me where other years I've ridden in it and it hasn't fell for me, you know what I mean? So it just fell for me this year. And was just, was just getting getting shortened up for a little bit of room um, at that crucial point, was that maybe a bit of a blessing in disguise for you, just having to wait a little longer? 
yeah, n- never ideal, you know. But at the same time, I my hand was forced from the position I was in. I was in second place, as in where the where the race was going. I was in second place. Place it was it was you know. I was getting pushed from behind to go and make my challenge, which would have ended me, you know, upsides in front maybe a little earlier than I would have had liked. So um, them quickening away from me and having more to aim at the two in front, you know, just just got going a little earlier than maybe they would have liked. And uh, it just suited me to go down and I winged the last and, and I just, you know, my horse was very game. He just kept finding and finding I felt going to the last that I had a good chance and I, I as I said in my interview afterwards the, the further away the line was the better my chance was getting you know well so an extra couple of furlongs at Cheltenham's going to be right up this horse's street we know how well he stays we know how well he stayed in the long distance race there last year um you must just be so excited about the prospect of uh, of winning another gold cup Oh, well, I, I suppose winning a World Cup is one thing, but at least we have a contender now. You know, not you, you, you sometimes start the year and you kind of look. You have obvious contenders, but Galvin, not to everybody, was an obvious contender. We were hoping he could make the step up and you know maybe sneak into a Gold Cup, but he's kind of maybe gone a little bit further now and kind of pushed himself up the ladder a bit. But it's nice to be, to be able to have a horse to line up in the World Cup anyway. For sure, it's, it's, it's a really fascinating race this year and it's wide open. So, you know, anybody could come and, and, and whoever's going to show their hand from now on could be a contender for a World Cup. It's very, very uh, competitive. Uh, Davy Russell, one of the, the great professionals and a, a super talent as well still and a, an amazing result for him yesterday with Galvin. Um, very quickly before we move on, Cornelius, do you want to be backing Galvin for the Gold Cup or, or would you still rather back Atluta or anything else? Uh, I, at the moment, as, as we sit here, having seen Atluta uh, beaten there, having seen Manella Rindo uh, defeated at uh, Kempton, having really looked around the, the potential British contenders for the Gold Cup and wondered you know, what's going to be a major contender come the middle of March. Uh, you know, Galvin does absolutely stand out, doesn't he? Um, and who knows, the horse might end up going for the Gold Cup as principal target and then on to Aintree uh, for, for the Grand National as well. Uh, I suspect he's going to be a real standard bearer horse for National Hunt Racing either side of the Irish Sea in the weeks and months ahead. Has anything occurred, well, Shishkin aside, has anything occurred over the last few days to make you think that Ireland aren't simply going to dominate the big spring festivals in the UK again? Well, I, I was going to say, you know, clearly one, the British racing, British jump racing needs to be optimistic about uh, Shishkin and about that particular uh, division because there are a couple of uh, pretty talented horses, but Shishkin absolutely stands out. A scintillating uh, performance as, uh, as you reported on the pod earlier on in the week from that one. In the sort of um, the run-up towards Christmas, with horses like uh, John Bon, uh, with Constitution Hill, uh, with Champ winning the the uh, Long Walk Hurdle at Ascot, um, and then with Brave Man's Game winning in uh, in fine style, beating a hoy senior at Kempton. Uh, but particularly before Christmas, though, there was a feeling this feels a bit like business as usual. You know, Henderson is producing a really good one here, a really good one there, and and winning lots of races because Nicky Henderson has been uh, such a, a major force as far as British jumping at Cheltenham is concerned. And then you get to the King George and, um, you know, it feels like a sort of a, a, a 
just a, a, a little story of of how things are going. Willie Mullins saddles an outsider, which beats three Paul Nichols horses in the King George. And in fact, he'd have had a one-two, but for a but for a faller at the last. So yeah, it it's very hard to get hugely excited about that about that uh, score changing dramatically. 23-5. Ireland against uh, Britain, Irish jump racing against British jump racing at Cheltenham this year. Two of the grade ones, uh, Shishkin, well, uh, you know, he's clearly going to be back for the, the Queen Mother champion chase. Chantry House was was a winner. Well, yeah, I suppose that was too bad to be true, wasn't it, at, uh, at Kempton? So something will come out uh, as far as that particular horse is concerned. But, you know, the, the, the likelihood is that number is still going to be However, however optimistic one feels as far as British jumping is concerned, you look across to Leperstown and Limerick this week and you just see the strength and depth of, of Mullins, of De Bromhead, of Elliot, of Gavin Cromwell, of Jesse Harrington, of, of all these people. So it's going to be very, very hard. It is. Galopin Deschamps is a novice chaser who made his chasing debut at Leopardstown yesterday and was just outstanding. He even drew sort of ultimate superlatives from, from Mullins himself. I, I, it's very hard to see that horse being defeated by a by a mortal. Put it that way. Well, visually the most impressive winner of the holiday, really, um, and uh, winning by twenty two lengths uh, in the end. The I'm, I'm definitely going to mention the sponsor of the race, the Ballymaloe Relish Beginners Chase. I haven't been to Ireland for a couple of years. Always seek out a bit of Ballymaloe Relish in uh, in duty free. Uh, on trips through Dublin uh, Airport, uh, and uh, that particular organisation sponsored uh, this race. As you say, debut over fences led pretty much all the way, just went further and further clear, asserted uh, more and more. Um, won the five years old now, won the Martin Pipe race at uh, the Cheltenham Festival last spring. Uh, and uh, it's worth noting, I think there have been, started in 2009, the Martin Pipe, so what's that, 13 runnings. And Willie Mullins has won four of those uh, stagings. Sir Deschamps was one. Don Poli was another. Kilalta Vic was a third. And Galloping Deschamps. So uh, clearly, Galloping Deschamps, so clearly that these are horses that, uh, that, that do well in that particular race. They've tended with him to have graduated to greater things. And certainly this looks like uh, another of those. I, I think there's a... there's. One one thing just to, to note, really, more than anything else, best form on, on decent ground, yielding good to soft uh, type of ground, has been beaten three times on soft or heavy in these islands. Did win on very soft in France. But I was talking to uh, the French champion jockey, James Reevely, the other day. Congratulations to him for passing 100 winners for the year. And he said, you do have to be quite sceptical about some of these ground conditions. So more inclined to look at the ground conditions uh, in in Ireland and Britain that uh, he would have competed on. And very soft ground might just add a little bit of a query to the whole thing. But Galloping Deschamps, very, very impressive. Real wire factor uh, at Leopardstown. And amongst many fine performances that have taken place at Leopardstown, at Limerick, at Kempton, at Chepstow, that's the one that uh, really uh, is the one that uh, perhaps keeps, keeps us warmest uh, going towards the new year. Yeah, uh, not much to rejoice about as regards the start to the three-mile hurdle uh, at Leopardstown yesterday that was won by a classical dream from Flooring Porter. I mean, it's a perfectly sensible result, but Flooring Porter's connections um, could have serious uh, cause for uh, grievance. Why so? 
Well, um, classical dream um, took the expression getting a flyer to, to new levels, um, really. You've got to look hard. If you, if you haven't seen it, it's worth a, worth a look. And you probably want to, if you can do it frame by frame, looking at the start. But uh, the, the fact is that uh, classical dream, uh, written by Paul Townend, in the colours of Mrs. Joanne Coleman, Willie Mullins, the trainer, seemed to be on its way before the starter had actually dropped his flag, gaining four, five, six lengths uh, in the process. Same, same sort of style as uh, when he actually ended up winning the Supreme Novices Hurdle at the Cheltenham Festival in 2019. It was a full start on that occasion. It is his style. Uh, and uh, off he went. And um, Danny Mullins riding Flooring Porter uh, well, as much as you could really see from that distance, was was perhaps looking concerned and expecting the same again, another full start. But no, if that had been athletics, if that had been swimming, I think um, uh, it would it would have been a, a unquestionably a full start. Classical Dream jumped the gun. He probably jumped the gun then. Ruby Walsh observed on on racing TV that Paul Tannen must have been relieved that the starter didn't call them back. Uh, but uh, off they went. And um, Classical Dream won by two lengths, uh, four, five, six lengths gained at the start. Um, though it was a three-mile race, clearly every inch matters at this kind of level in elite sport. I think a little bit surprising that no inquiry appeared to have been called by the stewards. Not saying the race should have been declared void or anything like that, but there was much chatter on TV. There was much chatter on social media about this start. So I, I think officialdom uh, doesn't do itself any particular favours by not, you know, uh, publicising the fact that it has had a look and it was satisfied with with the whole thing. But um, you know, th- these are, are, are quite um, these are these are difficult things. Clearly, this was a talking point, and uh, clearly uh, something should have been just just considered or publicly considered. That said, uh, the winner racing for the first time since being successful uh, when upped in distance in the stairs hurdle at Punchestown uh, and only for the second time um, since finishing last in today's Matheson hurdle in 2019 put in a, a commanding uh, display flying porter uh, champion stayer at Cheltenham defending champion of this race uh, couldn't get in a blow but a real feeling that perhaps the race uh, was all over after the start. Well so much has happened over the last few days uh, in in Ireland that it's it's been quite difficult to keep tabs on every single grade one winner but I wanted to make sure that the victory of Master McShee in the grade one chase uh, at Limerick on Boxing Day St Stephen's Day didn't go unnoticed because Master McShee is one of just a, a couple of horses trained uh, by uh, Paddy Corkery who's who's with me now. Um, Paddy this is this is dream come true stuff for you isn't it just tell us a little bit about the the sort of size and scale of of your base and, and where you're based. Well I suppose Nick Farming all along was my big thing, and uh, I've been buying tractors in England with the last 40 years. And um, I just have an interest in horses, and uh, I used to go hunting and stuff like that. And then I got a horse, and um, it's a bit of a passion of mine. I just love the the buzz of getting him ready and uh, see him progress, and you know, um, to get him ready for racing. It's it's, it's a passion I, I, I love. It's, it's my golf, really, Nick. So it's, so it's your golf. It really isn't a business. It is just. It is. It is just genuinely something you do as a as a hobby to go alongside your your main businesses. That's right. Yeah. It's it's. Uh, I used to play a bit of golf one time, and I thought I got too good at it, which was probably a lie. Uh, and now I started at the horses, and I just I just love it. And 
you know, it's, it's just a passion for me, really. Uh, and you're, you're in the part of the world, and I know this full well, that if you are good at golf, there's no shortage of opportunities to be playing. Well, I wasn't that good, no, Nick. Maybe I was boasting when I said I was good. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> I, en- I enjoyed the golf when I played it. And, uh, we have plenty of nice courses around here in West Waterford and, and Garvin and places like that, you know? Yeah, it's a it's a truly beautiful part of the world and a wonderful place to to train racehorses. I I would imagine as well. Tell me a little bit about your 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 farm, your yard, your facilities. Well, I suppose I'm probably unique that I have very little facilities. We just sometimes we work the horse down the field across from the garage. Uh, we do a good bit of road work. I do a good bit of work in the laundry. But uh, my, there's a local trainer to me here has a he has a gallop, uh, Brian Hallahan. I use that quite often. Um, knock a cool gallop, Michal Griffin, I go there. And um, Coromore, I go down there as well. So I use those for, and uh, the closer I go to racing, I kind of mix it around a bit. And then for jumping, there's a, a place out in Kylie's Cross called Pat Breen, so I use that quite a lot as well. And, and so how, would Master McSheen now be your, your only horse in training? How many have you, how many have you got? At the minute, I've got uh, four. Well, th- three more. And are they are they young horses coming through behind him? Yeah, there's uh, two three-year-olds. Uh, one that's I actually bought him at the sales. I was up at the sales about in 2018, the year of the drought, and this this Darcy horse came in, and he, there wasn't a lot of feed around for him. And I had a phone up there, and this fellow said to me, "It's um, it's not he." I had a mare at a filly phone up there. And, this fellow said it's not a year for selling, and I said if it's not, it must be a year for buying, and I bought him for six hundred quid. Oh, perfect! So he'll be the ne- he'll be the next one. Um, as for as for Master McShee, to win a to win a Grade One at Christmas with him, and and to to have people talking about Cheltenham, uh, how does that make you and your your family feel? Well, I I, I think well my wife and kids are very proud of me with what I've achieved when, when I arrived home the other night from the races they were out cheering and you know um, but they, they know the work I put into it and they know the passion I have for it and I mean it's probably a reward given back when, I, when something like this has happened you know and you, and you are truly a, a one man band you're up every morning you do it you're hands on you're riding them you're looking after them yeah I, I uh, but uh, like I kind of have my style set out for the week with what I do with the horses. And um, there's another friend of mine there, Jimmy Maloney. When, when the horse is getting fit and ready to run, Jimmy sits in him. And he's Jimmy was a he's an ex jockey, and um, he's he's quite he's quite shrewd of us how he how we get the horses ready, you know. And so, what's the plan now um, for this horse? What's the plan now for for Master McShee? Like I was asked that on, on Sunday, Nick, and a man said to me, what's the plan? I said, on Thursday, I said, there's a Conigal beach near us, and I'm going to sit in him and trot him down the beach. <laughs> I, as such, I have no plans made, Nick. Um, I, I just don't, I kind of don't. You see, when you're doing it for a passion and a bit of fun, you know, I don't have to make big plans. He bust a blood vessel last year in the grade one. And I'm very conscious of that all the time, you know. So I don't want to run too often. Um, I have theories that about it, what could, how you could bust again and stuff like that. So 
So we're, we may we may see him in in England at some point, I suppose. Of course, he's a horse who who has his origins here. He was he was he was unusually for a, a horse who does so well in Ireland bred in in Britain. That's right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and he was bought by John Sheehan. And, and Morgan, they're, they buy and sell a lot of foals, and as I've said this before, um, John has put some fantastic horses through his hands, like War of Attrition, Monty's Pass, and several more grade one winners that, you know, which is which is an unbelievable achievement from uh, John Sheehan. Well, and as, and as a foal, this horse, he got a cut in his leg, and it kind of made him unsaleable as such, and I bought him for very handy money, and he's just turned out to be a clinker. Well, it's a it's a wonderful story. A clinker he is, and I'm guessing he's given you much more pleasure, if not as much financial reward, as any tractor that has passed through your business over the last 40 years. Without a doubt, Nick. You know, uh, like, but I often say this, and, and uh, a horse and a tractor, they're very alike. The day you buy him or the day you sell him, you never know how they're going to turn out. <laughs> Paddy, this one's turned out good. Um, thanks so much for talking to me. Thank you very much for the call, Nick. Paddy Corkery there. And from a four-horse base in West Waterford to the cityscape of Hong Kong and J.A. McGrath. Nick, we all know that trainers are creatures of habit. Once a certain formula works, the trainer will repeat it time and again. For example, on the 28th of November 2016, John Gosden took a striking two-year-old filly, a daughter of Nathaniel, to Newcastle to debut on the all-weather track in a one-mile maiden filly stakes. Her name, Enable, who went on to become a champion, winner of 11 Group 1s, including two arcs and three King Georges, one of the truly great fillies of the past 50 years. What then was going through Gosden's mind when the following year he introduced a youngster called King's Shield, also at Newcastle in November, in a seven furlong novice? Like in Abel, King's Shield won first time out. He'd been bought for 675,000 guineas at a Tats Breeze Up sale for Sheikh Fard's Qatar Racing. He had a crack at the French Guineas and the St James's Palace, all to no avail. But his star did not ascend to the Enable Heights, and he was gelded and sold on to Hong Kong. His first efforts in his new home with trainer Frankie Law didn't amount to much. But this is where there's a twist in the story. Law started running him on the all-weather, and all of a sudden, the racing career of the son of Scat Daddy took off. All four of his wins have come over a mile on the Shatin dirt and he gets a chance to make it five when he lines up in today's Fotan handicap over course and distance. He carries top weight of nine stone seven in a race that was changed to class one status, essentially to give this all-weather star a chance of running on his favourite surface. It's a fascinating race, really. John Size introduces Silver Express, a decent last start winner. He introduces him to the dirt for the first time. And Casper founds he tries the rock on the surface. This fellow, though, has previous, having been placed at Kempton when trained in the UK by Clive Cox before export. We're in the middle of a hectic racing week in Hong Kong. This meeting is a replacement fixture for a day lost to a typhoon earlier in the season. And there's also New Year's Day to come on Saturday, also at Sha Tin. 
Meanwhile, Joe Marrera is running riot with Jack, Zach Purton, his great rival, sidelined through injury at the moment. He's now two ahead in the title race, and he can add to his tally with a horse called London Lucky Star in a Class 5 handicap. He's a long-time maiden in Hong Kong, but he's now attractively handicapped. So make it race four, number three, London Lucky Star, and take him in a tote swinger with number two, Crown Avenue, and number nine, Lucky Victor. Good luck and a happy new year to you all. Uh, well, thanks to The Croc for his weekly update from Hong Kong. Cornelius is still with me. Cornelius, before you give your best advice for the day, uh, a really decent card at Newbury today. It, I don't think the weather's going to be very nice, but uh, we've got more grade one racing in Ireland and a grade one novice hurdle uh, at, at Newbury, in which Gordon Elliott is represented against Paul Nichols. So we've got a sort of Anglo-Irish clash of the two, two of the big, big training uh, operations. Mm, the Mansion Bet Shallow Hurdle, uh, fourth grade one of Christmas, I think, in, in Britain compared to eight spread between Leopardstown and Limerick in uh, Ireland. This isn't always a good uh, grade one race in, in Britain. However, it has been won by horses like Large Action. I remember many years ago in the 90s, uh, Denman won it, Diamond Harry, a winner, Fingal Bay champ, Time Hill, Brave Man's Game uh, last year, uh, two and a half miles. And for the Brave Man's Game uh, side of the, um, of the equation, uh, clearly, uh, that this is uh, a horse. He, he's going to be favourite, I imagine. He's two from two uh, in hurdles. Stable mate of Brave Man's Game, which won it last year, and Stage Star won it at Chepstow, and then uh, at Newbury over this distance at the end of November. Clear uh, credentials for um, this afternoon. So really uh, looking forward to seeing uh, that horse uh, in action. But you're right. Uh, amongst the others with credentials, uh, Gringo Dobrell for uh, Gordon Elliott. Uh, I really like, really interested in a mare called West Balboa that won at Warwick in great style for the Skeletons. And uh, Lossy Math is another uh, interesting contender, pretty experienced horse. And as well as being, I think, this race a really good horse story potentially for, for you to tell your viewers and uh, everybody else to talk about afterwards, a really good person story as well because Stan Shepherd jockey, aged 24 years old. He's ridden 23 winners this season. One of those was the Welsh Grand National earlier on the week on I Will Do It. Uh, he goes to Newbury today with three uh, fancied mounts. Lossy Mouth in that big race earlier on in the day, Pounding Poet, and at the end of the day, Fern Hill. He says um, uh, on, his, um, on his Twitter account, Stan Shepherd, uh, that he is Herefordshire born and bred. For, for international listeners, Herefordshire is in what you call probably the English Southwest Midlands, bordering Wales, very rural, lots of very green, lots of muddy lanes, lots of tractors, lots of horses, a real link to racing. But the childhood county of Peter Scudamore, of Richard Johnson, of Cornelius Lysers, as it happens, I didn't ride quite as many as winners as them, uh, and of uh, Stan Shepherd. And I was reminded, listening to the pod yesterday, uh, of Stan Shepherd. You and Lydia were chatting about um, daytime television in Britain, Homes Under the Hammer, and something about Australia that you mentioned. Can I incidentally put in a word for Air Hunters, a program about a company that tries to track down heirs to legacies of people who've sadly died without wills? Well, the reason I was thinking of Stan <laughs> Shepherd was a year or two ago, during the long and not always fruitful summer for junk jockeys, instead of sitting on the sofa and watching daytime TV, uh, Stan Shepard, Charlie Deutsch and Richard Patrick, uh, three very much um, on the up young jockeys determined to diversify. And they spent the summer planting black currants on a fruit farm in Herefordshire. 
uh, acres of uh, these black currants per day, real enterprise from then when they might have just been sitting on the sofa watching the telly and uh, industry for all three has been rewarded since, uh, particularly Stan Shepard. And really, I'm going to be rooting for, for him at Newbury today because it would be a really good story to win the Welsh National uh, earlier on the week and have another uh, landmark day today. So is that your tip? Are you tipping Stan Shepard and, and Lossy Mouth to win the cello hurdle? Uh, I, no, I'm actually going to, uh, I'm going to, even though I did last time I was on the pod, I did miraculously causing a, a, a storm on Twitter, tip a winner. Uh, but uh, I'm going to, um, I'm going to, um, to say to Sam that he doesn't have to be burdened by that particular thing, because I'm going to take you to the 235 at Newbury. And uh, in this race, there is a horse number nine called Jericho Rock trained by David Pipe, the mount of Tom Scudamore. Real feeling that David Pipe's horses that have been a bit quiet, going a little bit better now, had a nice winner, I think, at Market Raisin on Boxing Day. And this Jericho de Rock, racing over three and a quarter miles, will really appreciate the distance in the 2.35 at Newbury. Have a, you have a good day uh, at Newbury. And you did say it came from the heart a few moments ago when you said, <laughs> I'm not sure what the weather's going to be like. Mm. Well, wrap yeah. up nice and warm yeah, it's, uh, it's, and it's use some of those nothing. woolly jumpers you probably, and thick socks you probably received in your stocking. Yeah, I had, uh, Daily Mail's Sam Turner sent me a message the other day saying, happy new coat when he saw me on, uh, on Eric Kempton. So many thanks <laughs> to Sam. That was farming today. Um, that was Wednesday, <laughs> December the 29th. And, Have a good one. Uh, and we will see you again tomorrow. Thanks so much for listening. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Nick Luck Daily, brought to you in association with Fitzdares, the Racehorse Owners Association, and Thoroughbred Racing Commentary. Mm-hmm.